welcome to New Earth Network. This is Leah Grant, and I'm here with a couple of our other um, New Earth Network members, Christine and Monica. And today our topic is shadow work. What is it? How to use it? Best ways to do it? We're going to kind of touch on um, a bunch of different things, as well as share some stories of doing our own shadow work. So first of all, let's define what shadow work is. I was first introduced to shadow work through a woman named Debbie Ford, and she wrote an amazing book called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And essentially, she was a psychologist, and she said that our shadow side is anything that we are in denial of. And it's often the things that we see and judge in others. So for example, if we say somebody else is disrespectful, there's an aspect of ourselves that's being disrespectful in some way that we are unwilling to look at. And so our shadow work is actually facing those items in which we have previously been unwilling to look at. And therefore they've kind of been behind us in our shadow, but affecting us because if you're unaware that you're being disrespectful or you're unaware that you are actually being what you despise, you're going to have that blind spot in your behavior and be defensive if anyone brings it up to you. So I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious, Christine or Monica, do you have a different definition that you have looked at for shadow work? I think, um, Christine, do you want to go or do you want, is it okay if I just... Go ahead, yes, go ahead. Okay. okay, so um, I think a really great and very simple, um, I think that's really well said, and but I think a, a really great and very simple way for people to understand and really um, click it in is um, the best way I heard something, well, it was applying to something a little bit different, but it's a great way, I think it's great anyway, that... Um, there's the things we know we know like i know my name is monica i know i live in canada i lo- i know um you know we're here right now and we're speaking english uh, there's the things that we know we don't know like i know i'm not a brain surgeon i know i'm not on the opposite end of the planet but then vast majority if we were to look at it as in you know pieces of a pie the first two are very small pieces the vast majority of everything about ourselves is the things we don't know that we don't know our blind spots the things that we are completely unaware of and you know it could be um like hey why is my you know why is my career not where i wanted it to be i don't know where you know what it uh you know i'm working really hard and it's not really coming out the way it's supposed to or the way i wanted it to or the way i imagined it or why do I keep repeating this pattern in relationships? Or why, no matter what I do, do I keep having this, this you know, feeling of like, you know, whatever it may be, like some anxiety or depression, or why did meeting my goals not fulfill that happiness? It's like, well, here's the things we don't know that we don't know. So it can really apply to really so many things from like very simple to very deep to very, you know, to addressing all the traumas and um, our drives and, and motives and belief systems and uh, really absolutely everything. Yeah, that's awesome, Monica, because they say that 90% of our actions are governed by our subconscious. And most of what is sitting in the subconscious is a lot of our shadow. 
And so we are only conscious of about 10% of what is going on within us. And taking the time to do shadow work is really being very reflective, going inside, being willing to see what we've been unwilling to see or just didn't see before, like you said. And so awesome. Thank you for that. What about you, Christine? Actually, I have never studied shadow work. That's why I was very interested in being on the call today to learn more about it. But when you talk about um, dealing with the subconscious, I've, I've done that. I just didn't know you would have called it shadow work. My assumption about sh what shadow work was, was that it's about, you know, the bad side of you that you deny yourself. Like, I would never kill anybody, even though it would be so nice if somebody would just be dead. <laughs> but, so I deny myself the desire to kill somebody. I assumed it was attacking those parts of yourself, the things that you don't actually want to experience, so you deny them. Yeah, and that is the majority of what it is. So this is when I talk about the subconscious beliefs, uh, well, when I talk about the subconscious, the belief system is what builds our subconscious. And so say we hold a belief that going down dark alleys is scary, but we don't want to admit that we own that belief. So we, we, would, we would deny it. And then that's where it gets us into trouble, right? So we might be avoiding going down that alley because we don't want to admit our fear. And so doing the shadow work would be actually facing that fear and learning how to either transmute it or integrate it to where we are actually owning it. So what if there's somebody who has like this violent streak where they don't actually hit anybody, but they constantly have the thought, oh, I just wish I could punch him in the face. And it really makes them... I mean, it, it raises their blood pressure, it makes their body hot. Is that what shadow work would help them get over so that they could get through the experience without denying it? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Because a lot of the reason their blood pressure is going up is because they're afraid of what they might do. There's a fear that they might actually act on those feelings. In, in psychology, it's normal for us to have different feelings. In fact, a lot of psychologists will say, you know, imagining strangling your landlord for not fixing something is sort of normal and it's like, okay, but actually strangling your landlord is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad we clarified that for everyone. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a way of healing yourself. And because the mind actually doesn't know the difference between doing an act and not doing it. And this can be used positively or negatively, right? So because the mind, there was a study that was done, I think it was Harvard, where they had a bunch of Olympic athletes do the, their routines. And one half of them actually went to the gym every day and did the routines for, you know, five, eight hours, however long they're in the gym, doing their routines. The other group, sat in meditation and visualized themselves doing their routines over and over and over and over during the day. At the actual competition, both groups performed equally well. Amazing. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing can, can work when you're working through traumas, right? So if you imagine yourself having that hard conversation with say somebody who was disrespectful to you or somebody who 
even even a more extreme case someone who maybe raped you if you have that conversation where you know you get to punch them in the face and you're imagining this and you're imagining bringing them the same pain that you experienced you actually get to feel that sense of release right you get to feel that sense of like taking some of your power back without actually being in the presence of the person or actually doing anything violent now what if somebody again so i'm I'm not a violent person i don't want to be a violent person but i get so enraged when people keep pushing 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 me so if i were to act out pushing them back wouldn't that be similar to what the athletes did and that eventually i might actually act on that well it's whether you make it okay to translate the behavior from thought to reality and this is where it gets more complicated psychologically you know if we are pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed that there is a snapping point for us mentally now i'm not a psychologist so i can't tell you where that point is unfortunately we don't have Stuart on here today who could add some wisdom about that but what what the imagining yourself standing up for yourself toward the people that would be you know continually getting enraged with you um, or or you getting enraged at them because they're pushing you would essentially maybe show you patterns of how you could deal with it happening in the future differently so imagining that scenario happening and how you could take your power back or maybe you do yell at them and you realize okay well that doesn't have any impact or that actually is a good release for me, right? Right. And so it starts training you. And especially if you do shadow work with a practitioner, you're being more uh, conscious about how you're working with those images and those experiences internally so that you aren't then turning around and going, oh, well, I visualized it, and so now I'm going to do it. Okay. So I wouldn't visualize a hundred times punching somebody, but I would visualize it, go through it, have the experience. And then I would say, okay, now how would I rather this turn out? Exactly. Because emotion is energy. And so if you have that rage coming up or that sadness coming up or whatever it is around that experience and you don't like it, if you repress it, it's going to come back to bite you. So you need to allow yourself to experience it in a healthy way. And this is where I am actually an emotional um, intelligence practitioner. And imagining expressing that emotion allows you to help release the tension of it so that you can get back into your logical mind and say, okay, what is the right way to handle this now that I've released the emotion around it? Nice. So what's the first step? Is, or is it possible for somebody to do this on their own? Because I understand with a practitioner, they, they would lead you through it. But what if I were gonna just today after, after our call think about how would I, is there a method that's very specific or do I just visualize it? So that's a great question. So there's actually a couple different ways to look at that. So there is somebody who has gone through and actually registered trademark shadow work. So they have a very specific process that they walk people through to do their version of shadow work. Um, There's also a bunch of uh, self-guided exercises that you can find if you just Google shadow work um, or put it into your search engine. And 
Most of them are exercises that you can go through. Um, Debbie Ford's book that I mentioned earlier also has um, exercises in it that you can take yourself through. And what I would say is start with some of the simple things. Start with something where you're judging another person and for something. You're judging them for not being smart enough, for not being fast enough, for not being um, kind enough. But turn that back around and ask yourself, where am I not kind? Where have I been what I'm judging in them? Is it always going to be that obvious of a reciprocation or is it sometimes the opposite of what if I'm over caring? What if I'm over patient? You know, those kinds of things. Um, in terms of what are you thinking the opposite of that is then? Well, so like if I'm very, very patient and I get irritated with people who have no patience, that would be like an example. So perhaps they... That, that would I would be irritated with them and I would want them to stop what they're doing. I'd stop I want them to stop, you know, criticizing others and, and being controlling because of their impatience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It can totally go both ways in that situation. It's basically what you're looking for is what you're denying within yourself. So if you're Ooh. super, super patient Maybe I don't want to be patient then. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to be patient, or maybe you don't want to stand up for yourself. Maybe you don't want to speak out. Maybe you don't want to um, upset the apple cart. (laughs) Maybe you are choosing harmony over having your voice. So sometimes it isn't as easy to look at what is it. It can be distorted in terms of, like, like what you said, it's not like patience or not patience or judgment or not judgment. It can be I'm super patient. I'm annoyed with people who aren't because they are doing what when they're not patient? They are taking control of their own time. They are speaking their own voice. They are, what is it that they are actually doing that is really the piece that you're unwilling to own? Ah, very good. That, that really clears it up a lot. Thank you. Awesome. And welcome. We have Laura with our group today as well. So, um, Laura, welcome to the group. Did you have any questions around shadow work that you would like to share with us today? No, I just, um, I set my alarm to go off. It went off and I searched for the room and I found it and I'm here. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, happy to have you here. Thanks. So, Looking at a couple of other things, we can also talk about, you know, the the best ways to do shadow work are when you're in a space of being open to being reflective, because it's a process that you want to be very gentle with yourself and turn off the judgment because it can be tender, it can be vulnerable, it can be sensitive, and it can kind of make you feel icky at first. You know, if you've been in in a sense, like maybe if you've been looking at somebody else going, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be doing that. And then you actually sit down with yourself and get really honest about where in your life you might be doing something similar. All of a sudden you're like, oh, what have I been doing? Like, and you can start to go into kind of this negative spiral about like, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad person and blah, 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 blah. And you really don't want to get stuck in that space with this. The idea around this is to recognize the parts of yourself that need to be owned. And really it's about integration. 
And so gently asking yourself like, okay, I recognize that sometimes it is human to judge. Sometimes it is human to get angry. Sometimes it is human. And I own this piece of humanness within me and allow it to be integrated. Uh, And allow yourself to go through your emotions and not just jump over them. Absolutely. No spiritual bypassing. (laughs) So I think I've done, I've done this and I'm going to go through a topic because you can tell me if this is, if I'm on target now. So I was looking at my kids and I kept getting frustrated with them that they weren't doing their schoolwork the way I thought it should be done. You know, as far as like, you know, doing their best, doing all of it, you know, having to keep being reminded. And my frustration with them, I thought was that they just weren't doing the work. But then I did what you said and, and I was like, that, that can't be it, this is too much. And I sat down in a really reflective day and I said, what is it I'm really afraid of here about them and their schoolwork? And I realized because I, I homeschool and I'm required to you know, make sure that they get their work done, I took it on that if they don't get their work done, I've, I have failed them, that they don't know better and I'm letting them down. And if I don't make sure they're accountable to so- social rules, then um, they won't have a good life. And that was the fear there underlying was they won't have a good life. I went through that part, but I found something even further past that, which is I'm requiring them to confine to social rules of learning that I don't agree with. So as I kept going deeper, my frustration was I was upholding somebody else's values over the joy of my own children. And that was a big hit. That is huge. And, you know, kudos to you for digging that deep and really taking the time to look at it. Because a lot of times it's it's easier just to go, oh, whatever, right? And walk past that and, oh, it's just, I'm frustrated because I'm homeschooling and it'll get better or whatever. But to really take the time to apply that and figure out what it was. And I'm curious, what was your next step, Christine? How did it impact your actions? Well, I talk, I sat them down and I talked to them about you know, what they were doing, how they felt about it, if they were willing to do something different. We talked about taking, because we're in a, a charter school, so even though it's at home, it's still following district guidelines. And I said, well, you know, you don't like doing this particular work. If we just took you guys out of this altogether, you could do my goals for you and you could work on your goals for you. But that felt too too unknown to all of us. So. This, this decision, which was really, really hard for me because I was an honor roll student. I graduated fourth in my class. I mean, this was, this, doing my best was a good thing for me. And I wanted my kids to have that experience too. But my decision became, okay, as long as you have a C average or above, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. I'm not gonna tell you to do your work, but as soon as any of your grades, your course grades fall below a C, then I'm gonna tell you to stop doing Stop doing anything fun until you do your work. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do your work right when I tell you to stop, but it does mean no more electronics. It does mean um, no more going over to a friend's house. It, it, you know, you can sit and read a book, you can play by yourself, but that's it. And you won't believe how much it changed these kids. They hated school, they complained every day about school, and then once we had these guidelines, they felt so free and they're happier and they're healthier. They get along with the world better. I mean, it, it was night and day. Yeah, it's really fascinating how structure actually provides freedom in as long as it's the right structure. 
Right, yeah, I think the other structure of it's time to do your work, it's nine o'clock, you gotta sit down to do your work right now, you gotta do it for four hours until it's done, and then, you know, and then you gotta do more work in the evening, you gotta read your stories, da 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 da. It's just, it, yeah, they felt like they didn't have any freedom, so it was definitely the wrong structure for them. And then when we got this structure of, hey, and you know what, the interesting thing is, before I'd say, hey, your grades are low, you need to do your work, and they'd complain, complain, complain. Now I would say, hey, I see a D pop up, and they'd be like, oh, no problem, I'll take care of that. Happily, it's so crazy how easy it was. That is, that's awesome. Congratulations, Christine, and thank you for sharing your example of shadow work. Monica, do you have an example of doing some shadow work that you would be willing to share? Um, I think the last few years, this is something that I've been very vaguely aware of, but really not understanding. Um, it was very much my major blind spot. Um, so the one thing that I've been very frustrated with is a lot of people around me being very cold and selfish and not wanting to go out of their way when I am doing to an unhealthy um, extreme, going too much out of my way, putting my priorities aside um, and my needs aside to make sure that they have all their needs met, all their wants met, and and then and then a lot more. And um, and I think the, I mean, I'm still, I think I'm still figuring this out, but I think the, you know, and it's, it's just been, well, it's, it's a long-term pattern, but the last few years it's been really um, hitting home where, you know, enough is enough. And, and what I've learned is, you know, I'm, overgiving and I'm not willing to put my own needs first the way they are to what I still think is too far an extreme but it's like I think it kind of helped um, pull me out of the opposite extreme where I put myself you know I, I used to say you know I put everything else um, as priority everybody else's needs take over and um, I put myself so low on my priority list that I don't even make it and I never make it to the bottom of my list so it was just a very unhealthy um, habit and pattern um, from, you know, too many people around me just demanding too much of me and then being called selfish when I, when I think of, when I say no and, you know, having a lot of guilt around that and then trying to overcompensate and et cetera. So it's kind of made me step back and kind of, you know what? Okay, well, you know what? It's okay. You go, you have, you, you need things? Okay. Go, go go ahead and you know you're on your own there I'm not gonna you know I just finally stopped I'm gonna put myself first because I need to I don't know either stop for the day or I need other things that I need to have done so I'm gonna let you figure out your own whatnot and I'm gonna you know just focus on something else and focus on doing something for myself so I mean I still haven't I still don't think I have really figure it out all that I'm supposed to see there I'm definitely still having some blind spot on spot blind spots on it oh the other thing on it is um that I think that you know maybe in a lot of ways with some people I am very cold and reserved but it's also like that fear of vulnerability fear of kind of um overgiving you know so there's like that the two sides but then those very close to me I overgive but then um, outside of that 
immediate circle, I tend to maybe go a little bit in the opposite, where I'm very reserved and more um, cautious. So I think I still have um, a lot to learn, but I think I've really, from where I started on it and where I have gotten to, I've actually learned to, hey, you know what, my needs matter. And it's, it's those simple things, but I mean, saying that and, and following through, I mean, knowing it, thinking it, believing it, but then following through are actually very big steps, at least, you know, in my case. And I think that applies to a lot of people. So absolutely. And Monica, really, really amazing awarenesses there. And what I would, what I heard and what you were saying is that you're kind of in the middle of doing the shadow work around some of these topics. And that, and, and I do think that this happens for a lot of people and this is when it's good to get support and have some accountability around doing it is when you recognize that it is impacting you. You know, it's taking away from your joy or it's taking away from you being able to pursue your own dreams and by not actually focusing on it or being accountable to focus on it in, in a consistent way, you're letting it drag on, right? Yes. And so it doesn't have to be a professional. You can do shadow work with a buddy. You know, I have done uh, groups where there's been three or four of us that meet, you know, once a month and we're essentially helping each other see what we can't see ourselves. And those are always really interesting. You have to be, pick very mature emotionally people with it where you can sit in the room and have that person say to you, you know, sometimes you're kind of aloof and you have to kind of own that and look at it and go, okay, so tell me where I'm doing that. And, and you feel it in your body. There will be resistance to the things that you don't want to be, you know, and I think it's really it's really great when we can drop that resistance and start actually doing the work of integrating it. Absolutely, and the interesting thing is you, you hit it right on the head, where um, for many years now, I've been kind of doing my own, um, sort of on my own, um, and you know, getting as far as I can with that, but the last, I don't know, it's been a few years now, I, I've come to the point where, you know what, I am getting more of that support from the right people who are able to understand it and who are able to you know give that insight and feedback that's needed and like you said you know it takes a mature group um, of people who are able to you know say it respectfully kindly and and really listen as well and um, and I think more a little bit more and more I've been getting more of that the last few years but yes I think that um, something like that is definitely a great idea Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Monica. Laura, did you want to share a story about doing some shadow work and what that experience is like for you? You know, I've just been in and out on the conversation because people have been calling me and I don't really know what to say. (laughs) But thank (laughs) you for asking. Of course, of course. Um, And if anybody else would like to share their experience or have a question, please raise your hand and we'll make sure that we um, help you through that. And so a couple of other things that you had asked earlier, Christine, about, you know, how do I do shadow work? 
And there are so many different styles of how to approach this. And some of them are like really, really super simple. You know, face it, talk to it, and then be it. <laughs> you know, face it, own it, and then integrate it. So that can be a very simple three-step process. And I say simple, not easy, right? <laughs> so the steps are simple, but sometimes going through that process of owning something about ourselves that we would rather not have a characteristic or a trait can take some some getting used to right because we have to get over the fear of the consequence of owning that and and labeling ourselves that for even a moment right exactly and the thing is is that there's a huge benefit to that it's it's really we are spiritual beings come here to have this human experience and it's actually about recognizing all aspects of the human experience no one is all good no one is all bad we are all of those things it's how much we choose to express them and how we express them that comes out right mm -hmm. so you know there's there's not a person on the earth that i have ever met that's never told a lie <laughs> So, you know, now how many you tell, how much it hurts somebody else, how much it hurts you, you know, there's, you know, we obviously are looking at a massive experience of a liar right now who's impacted the world in essence. And so there, there's different levels of expressing all of these characteristics and we're not all here to express all of them this lifetime. Or let me go ahead and because I, I know when people listen to this, they're going to be like, who is she talking about? I'm assuming you're <laughs> talking about the whole COVID concept and that they're now exposing certain lies that have happened through the process. Is that correct? Yes. I'm talking about the Freedom of Information Act that um, had a reporter get all of Fauci's emails. And what has been found in them is that what Fauci was telling the public and what Fauci was telling people inside the government were two different things. And they had to do with masks. It had to do with the um, where the virus came from. It had to do with um, the true purpose of the um, shots. And so we're now learning that what we were told by somebody who was an authority that we were to listen to, and this is in the United States, for those of you who are who are um, international, uh, that Fauci is the um, medical advisor for the United States government. And, you know, that basically what he was translating to us were not true. Yeah, that, and, that's a big thing to deal with. So some shadow work for the whole country at this point, right? Absolutely. Well, and looking at him and saying like, well, he was wrong in doing that, right? So yes, that was definitely not something that was beneficial for us. But to the level at which we are um, not seeing any of ourselves in him is the work we need to do. Gotcha. I have a question from earlier. You said um, when you were sitting in your group that you can feel it in your body. So can you go a little bit more into that and how that relates to shadow work? 
say, say remind me what I said? Yes, you, you were talking about how like if you're aloof and you could feel in your body where that was, at least what I thought you were saying is you could feel in your body where that aloofness was created or your reaction oh. to the person when they would bring it up. You could feel something inside. I want to know more about that. Sure. So what I was, what I was sharing is that I could feel the resistance to wanting to own that. Ah, okay. So it's almost like you feel a shield come up. Like if somebody says, you're mean, the first thing you want to go is, no, I'm not, right? You just want to defend yourself against the things. But if somebody says, oh, you're such a sweet person, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll receive that. I like that. That's nice, right? Gotcha. So we feel that, like, we feel stuff coming at us that we, we don't want to look at or potentially deal with. And I've had clients that I've done, you know, trauma-type shadow work with that will talk about, you know, feeling the, you know, the fear or the rage or the coming up and they push it down. Like they can feel it welling up and they'll just push it down. So I think our bodies and our emotions do give us a lot of clues as to how to work through this process. Because once you have really owned a piece of it, you actually feel lighter because you're more integrated. So based on that, can shadow work also have a physical aspect to working through things? So this is interesting because I went through the Hoffman Institute and Hoffman is, it's a psychotherapy inpatient program that I would recommend to anyone who has family trauma which I didn't necessarily think I did, but I was adopted and had some weird things happen in my childhood with my sister being bipolar and things like that. And so, you know, we think we are fine until we go do work and then we go, oh, I've been repressing all that stuff. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, the, but at Hoffman, they do a lot of physical things. So they give you a bat and a pillow and you beat your anger out and you know there's lots of there's literally everybody gets their own box of tissues and there's lots of crying and lots of moving of energy really because remember the emotions again are energy and if our shadow work is based on repressed emotions and things that we haven't faced and not just pieces of ourselves but events that have happened to us um, that we've been carrying in our shadow and then um, I think the physical stuff can help to get it out of the body, to help get that energy moved out of the body. But, um, but most shadow work is mental, the experience that I've had of it anyway. It's mostly, you know, kind of psychologically based um, work. Interesting, for sure. So I have another question, and it kind of it goes over everything you've talked about. At what point... Is it dangerous for us to continue doing our own shadow work without help from somebody who knows more than we know? Yeah, so if at any time you're going into any kind of suicidal thoughts or you start noticing that you're heavily getting into a negative thought pattern that and spiraling downward, then you need to seek help. And, you know, shadow work can do that. Um, because you're facing your stuff, right? And sometimes our stuff is ugly. When I'll, I'll share a piece of shadow work that I did 
that that I'm still like it's so funny I'm still embarrassed about having to face this about myself um, I lived in Maryland and we had a, a 10 acre horse farm and some people that had lived there prior not not the actual land we had but somewhere near us had peacocks and so there were these wild peacocks that were running all over the place and you know they're beautiful but they're also kind of you know um they can be a little bit annoying and i um was not as i would say um mature as i am now and i bought a new car and it and we didn't have a garage because we had that whole nother story but we didn't have a garage so the car sat outside and this male peacock would come up to the car and because it was shiny it would see its reflection and think that it was another peacock and so it was pecking at my car and it kept pecking at the car and like putting these little you know these little dents in my paint and I would shoot away and I would shoot away and then I thought it was a game like it liked the game of being shooed away like that was fun for it and I was just like I cannot take this anymore and you know I would throw something over my car and it would take it off and um, so I was in this sort of like battle with this peacock and I was just like, oh my gosh. And I said to my neighbor one day, I was like, this, something needs to happen with this peacock. And he goes, well, if it would, are you telling me you'd be okay with that? And I'm like, yes. Well, the peacock disappeared. And I found out from my, um, fiance at the time who I was living with that the neighbor, um, stuffed animals. <laughs> So was, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so the peacock saw its sad end but at my hand right because the guy wasn't going to do anything unless I had given him permission so I feel like the blood of the this you know innocent animal who was just you know trying to mate with the peacock it thought it saw in my car right so I felt when I finally like sat down with that I was like oh my gosh I'm a terrible person like I essentially committed this poor peacock to its death, right? Even though I didn't, wow. you know, do right. whatever I did to it. But I had to really sit with that and just be like, like, how much power do we sometimes have that we are in the moment of our emotions, make these decisions that we later regret. And just, it was a really big chance for me to really sit and like own my humanness, that sometimes the choice we make is not the best. And that sometimes they can't be undone. And how how do you really continue to love yourself, respect yourself, as it, after you've done something like that? Wow, that's really interesting. But I can I can see so many facets. I'm imagining you must have gone through like eight different directions, not just the self love part, but how much responsibility do you even have? Because without physically doing something, you don't. I mean, you gave permission on one level, but not another. If he just said, hey, you want me to take out this peacock, you would have said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. I mean, so there's so many different things there. It's not just one. Well, yeah, and that's why shadow work has layers. So it is very layered. Even like your story that you shared, Christine, you went through many layers before you really got to that core. True. And for me, the core of this one was recognizing that I'm human and I'm not always going to make the best decisions and and getting really in tune with when I'm making an emotional decision versus when I'm making an intellectual decision I knew that he meant kill the peacock I did not know he was going to like 
stuff it, but I don't even know if that matters, right? Killing is killing. So. I think that, yes, I think in that case, um, I have like a sort of um, similar story, but I mean, different kind of base because I mean, that was kind of like spur on the moment, um, impulsive. And so, but I, I think those are the moments that, you know, it gives us really the clarity into how do we really feel about it. And, you know, you, you were really upset and really um, caught up in the moment or, or just, you know, thrown off thrown off guard and, and it was very unexpected and um, not knowing how to deal with it and just wanting anything to make it stop. But, um, but the, the, you know, it, it gave you clarity on how do you really feel about it? It's like, well, no, I really don't want that to happen. And so I think, you know, it's just a, a better way to understand um, our, our moments. Like, I mean, okay, so I had um, a situation where, and this was like an ongoing thing of somebody who was just being really horrible and I just I never really um, I always let things go because I always think okay you know what they don't know what they're um, like they're, they're just you know they're just the way they are and they're just um, whatever the case is um, but anyway this person was really horrible to me for years and years and years and I didn't have much contact with them and I didn't really know what I could do about it but when this moment came and this gave me really this moment of such deep deep clarity um and i mean okay this was really upsetting not because so much that it, it was a situation that was really hurting me but it was hurting another um young innocent person as a way for them to to um be cruel to me they were hurting somebody else and and that i think is what made it so painful and, and um intolerable for me um because i mean if it was just me i could just you know dismiss it and be upset about it but not really um address it and just kind of ignore it and feel crappy about it later but the, this moment came where i was able to um i had the opportunity to hurt them back or to do or say something that was that would have really um hurt them in the moment and, and it was just so clear and so perfectly um, presented to me on a platter. And, and I had this moment of great clarity into, you know what? If I was able to make them feel the way they've been um, making me feel for so, so, so many years, I, I don't want to hurt them back. I don't want them to, I don't want to cause anyone hurt. I don't want to be any part of this. I just want the nonsense to stop and I just want the complete peace. And so this was, um, you know, the, all those overlapping layers of like that impulsive moment where I felt that that anger and that um, resentment and that, that shock that they, they are using another person and hurting them unnecessarily to, to try to um, hurt me and, and, and um, you know, at the same time, I could feel where I wanted to be, who I am, what I wanted my life to look like, what I am, who I am as a person, and like a very deep spiritual, hey, this just had all this, you know, pure divine light shed on it for me to see every level of it and then to see the truth of it. And um, you, you really realize um, 
that no matter what the situation that um, there, there's another way through it or there's another way above it or around it um, if that makes sense yeah absolutely and you know there's this goes back to there are layers and layers to doing shadow work and at core it's about getting to know ourselves more and becoming more and more embodied emotionally physically mentally in all different ways and we do that through the path of self uh, self-examination and self-exploration there is a really good there's a woman um i can't remember her name right now and she has if you look up 45 prompts for shadow work or maybe it's 50 she's like 50 journaling prompts to do your own shadow work that's a really good way to kind of get started on your own and they're you know they're not just questions you answer right there are things that you really sit with and you think about and you ponder and you meditate on and you write about and as you do that you become more and more I think aware of yourself and what you believe and who you are and how you interact and and beliefs themselves are something that I like to do shadow work on like if I find a belief that I have I like to to dissect it so where did this come from why do I believe it is it really true are there times it's not true do I want this belief or did I just randomly decide to adopt it because that's pretty much what we do when we're age zero to seven is everything that comes in we go oh okay there's a tooth fairy okay there's a Santa Claus oh okay you know (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) you're right Right? I mean, if you really thought about it, there's this tiny little fairy that flies around, picks up a giant pillow to put a dollar bill that's bigger than their body underneath of it, (laughs) or a quarter, like, how's it carrying that thing around? Right. So, you know, if you think about it, like, we never would have believed this stuff if it went through a filter, but it doesn't go through a filter. And even as adults, it doesn't. We tend to believe something if we hear it. So the first time we hear something, that's typically the belief that we have, unless we have a belief that goes against it. So if somebody comes to us and says, did you know that 85% of everything that we do is unconscious? You would be like, well, no, Leah just said it was 90%, right? So even if my number was wrong, we go to believing the first thing that we heard because we didn't have a framework for it that before then. So I want to add something to that because um, I kept thinking of this one um, other example of shadow work and it's, it touches on um, our belief systems and um, I'll just use myself as an example. I just went, um, you know, for years with this idea that, oh, you know, I have to do everything on my own. I'm, I have to be strong. I have to be independent and well, nobody really goes out of their way for me. And then, you know, it, it kind of, um, the, uh, without realizing the core belief underneath all that, I, I started believing, okay, well, maybe nobody really goes out of their way for me, but there's also that belief that, well, I have to do everything on my own. I'm independent. I have to be strong. I work hard. I do the right things. And then sort of the, the couple of connected underlying beliefs um, 
around that were things that my father would say. It's like, okay, well, you know, somebody wanted to, um, my, my first boyfriend wanted to buy me a nice um, gift for, for my birthday. And then I told my dad and my dad's like, absolutely not. You cannot accept that. And I mean, it, it wasn't anything all that extravagant, but um, my, my dad still thought it was too much. And so it's like, no, no, you have to be humble and, and not materialistic. And that's too much. You cannot allow somebody to give you such a thing. And like, it wasn't, you know, it was like a, a I don't know, pager or something silly like that but it's like no no that's that's too much for you you it's not appropriate this and that so you know the core belief was um i don't need i'm not materialistic you know i can be a martyr i don't need things i'm independent i'm humble and so this this sort of um self-sacrificing and then you know it leads to rejecting um anybody giving to you and just you know even like whether it's gifts or their time or their effort or um, or help in any way with um, any sort of thing. So um, the point is that a lot of times, even with these sort of unhealthy beliefs that we kind of run our lives on, um, maybe the, there's like some reward in it. There's, there's, you always benefit in some way um, from it. Like, you know, it, it makes you believe, okay, well, no, I, I don't need help. I'm a good person. I'm strong. I'm independent. And so it, th there's some kind of reward, even though it becomes entangled with this other aspect of, um, well, gee, I guess nobody really is going to um, do, do those things for me that I have been pushing away. What's, what do you think? I don't, I'm rambling a little bit, I hope. I'm making <laughs> yeah, so sense. essentially what you're talking about is something that happens within the mind where we, we adopt a belief and then the mind does nothing but look for proof that that is true. So it will create scenarios and situations in which that does benefit you so that it can be better for it to be true. So it's almost like the first belief is a piece of bubble gum and all the rest of the stuff starts sticking to it. <laughs> Absolutely. And until we say like, okay, I'm gonna throw this gum out because it's really not serving me. And then we typically have to, you know, unplug from all of those support beliefs around it. Um, it's sort of like how kids wanna keep believing in Santa Claus because they're afraid they won't get the gifts at Christmas if they don't. <laughs> oh yes one of my kids admitted that um, just a few days ago in fact that he, he he's kept saying but I believed until I was 12 in Santa Claus and then just a couple and he's about to turn 14 this month and he said you know what I realized I stopped believing when I was eight but I liked the idea so I kept believing it anyway yep exactly exactly and so it's it's funny because we we find reasons why we just want to hold on to that belief even if like a part of us knows it's not true and and that's a really fascinating piece of human nature that obviously if i could explain that i'd probably be a millionaire but most people don't know why we do that it's just sort of how we're wired to hold on to things beliefs and thought patterns and it as long as we, we see a reason to hold on to them. I just, Christine, you just clicked on something for me. That's, that's so cute with your kids. Um, I was like the opposite of these. I was two and a half 
exactly two and a half. My birthday is, you know, six months almost exactly away from Christmas. And at two and a half, I was trying to explain to my parents, no, that was dad dressed as Santa. And uh -huh. I never really believed in Santa. And I was, I found it really silly and irritating. And then I'd call them out every Christmas on, on the little stunts they'd try to pull. Like, hey, get us, get all the kids to go outside because they just saw Santa so we can go out and look. And I'd, and I'd always say, no, you're just trying to trick us so you can take out the presents that you're hiding from us. And they're like, just, <laughs> just shush, kid, shush, just stop it. And so they get really annoyed with me. And I'd write, I remember writing, um, a sarcastic letter to Santa, dear mom and dad, and then I put a big X over it so they can still see the mom and dad, Santa, and I meant that sarcastically, I was like nine or 10 or 11, but it's like, I, I think maybe, maybe there's some shadow work that I wasn't aware of, <laughs> where I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not really trusting you, I think I'm gonna have to go do this on my own, because I, I don't, I don't think I want your help here, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, no, I'm, I'm good, I'll, I'll do this by myself. Well, and this is where we start. This is where our initial trust issues actually come up, right? When we have the recognition that our parents lied to us about a bunch of stuff. And I, and, and I just <laughs> because at some that point we early. realize, like, if we eat a watermelon seed, we are not going to grow a watermelon in our stomach. Ah, realize, but I loved that one. That was a great <laughs> <Right>? lie. <laughs> right? And we start recognizing, like, oh, my gosh, we were so lied to that we, you know, and some people register that and some people don't, you know, and... I was grateful because Monica, I was very much like you. I figured this stuff out pretty early and my parents were just honest about it and said, yes, we are. Don't tell your sister. Right. <laughs> and so then I got to watch the process of her taking eight years to figure it out. <laughs> but That's so cute. Right. Um, but it was, it was really fascinating because I think that when we can see, you know, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible that it says those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And what I really think that means is those who are awake, right? If you're, if you're awake and you're aware, you see through the deception, you see through the veil of illusion. And, but that doesn't mean we don't have our own illusions about ourselves, which is really what the shadow work is about. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a perfect ending to a great call. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for those who sat in and listened. It was really nice to have an audience for this. We do record this as a podcast, so there is a replay of it um, as well. And thank you for your contributions, Christine and Monica. And visit New Earth Network for more um, discussions in the spiritual realm. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this effort, Leah. This was great. Thank you. Yes, uh, Leah someone, and Christine both, some wonderful insights. So thank you. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>